Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from San Francisco with my co-host, Joey. No chill, Prano. Hello, Andy. Good Thursday morning, Prano. Is it Thursday? It's Thursday already, man. And we're we're back. In the Bay Area. In the Bay. Looking out some Bay windows. Sitting here with my Bay. Bought a Bay. Bagel boy, Andy Ruther. Yeah, <laughs> What what's up with the, me getting you posted a picture? I just want to dress this out the gate. You posted a picture. We had a show last night. Very fun show. Yeah, at the Uptown in Oakland. Yo fool, Uptown in Oakland. Great little show last night. There's a picture of me standing next to you, but I'm standing on a step below you, and you look two feet taller. Step than me. gate, height gate, bagel boy gate. What are we calling it? You post this on Instagram. Ruther gate. And people are acting, obviously you're a lot taller than me, I'm about 5'9", you're 6'4", but people are looking at the picture thing, are they not realizing, you're not, you're not a foot and a half, two feet taller than me. Yeah. And then I got multiple bagel, you know, bagel boy references, which is, guys, I'm not that guy. (laughs) (laughs) You, you said it right in the moment too, you're like, get off that step. You were like, you went full bagel boy. Like, I'm sick of being shamed. I have wa- like, get down here. I have watched that video. That's probably the most watched viral video that I can think of for me. I've watched all the different angles. So funny. I love. I, it's like when I was watching at first, I'm like, oh, who cares? This guy flips out. When, when he gets tackled, it's incredible. Dude, when he. I need like uh, I need I need Gruden like breaking down the 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 actual tackle. He's like, look, I'm getting here. Just drives his legs, lifts up his everything bagel, just throws him to the ground. Just rapid tackle. Just twisting and tri- What a grinder. Goes in there, sheds the Bialis. Hits him. Just drives him right into the scallion cream cheese. Oh, that'd be great. Such a great video. Yeah. he He's a thing now. He's a thing. I saw that. I saw he's he like, was going on Jim Norton's show. Great. Like, he's already getting stuff. And That's what I'm saying. Embrace your bagel boy thing. You should, uh, instead of being like, you're on a step below me, like, stop short shaming me. Well, he's the bagel boss. The bagel boss. There's a call me the bagel boy. So I'm a child. Yeah. It's offensive. Although, I will say, I had a bagel boy or bagel boss moment in Venice recently. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Parking enforcement. You probably endorse this one. I'm on Abbott Kinney, and I'm making a right onto, I believe it was California. He's making a left. I have the right of way. Yeah, of course. I'm making a right. And there's pedestrians, and you know that street is so packed with people. I'm driving, I'm always driving slow and being cautious, whatever. The parking enforcement guy makes a left right in front of me, almost hits a couple pedestrians. And also, if I wasn't being just cautious would have hit me i honk at him at the at the stop at the stoplight or the stop sign 
And then he pulls up, and then I, I won't stop honking at him. And then he stops, and he looks at me. I go, what the fuck? I go, I go, do you know how to fucking drive? I go, you're parking enforcement? I go, you almost hit people, and you almost hit me. You don't know the rules, and you're parking enforcement. And this woman, dude, I wish this would have been filmed. This woman yells, yell at him. <laughs> I think because everybody hates parking enforcement, yeah. and she didn't see. And this dude was just looking at me, and it was to the point of I'm like, I want to get out of my car and like yell at him in person. Yeah. But I, I, when people, when I drive by parking enforcement in LA giving tickets, I yell out the window at them. Like if I ever see them writing a ticket, I'm like, you love ruining people's day, huh? Fuck you. I hate parking. Meter maids, top three most hated things in, in life. What are the other two? Lena Dunham and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lena Dunham for Lena sure. Dunham. You didn't She's even hesitate. There. Lena Dunham. Yeah, Lena Dunham. I've softened on Jay Leno, but he used to be up there for me too. Leno was in your top three. Yeah, just because how how dare you, you know, be cross uh, broadcasting to David Letterman and people are watching that. Hey, hey, look at it. Hey, parking enforcement. I was watching Girls the other day. Lena Dunham came out. And then what he did to Con- you know, I love Conan. Yeah, how that all played yeah. out. He's a trash bag. But I don't hate Leno for some reason. Yeah. Even though all that shit did not go well. I don't hate him anymore because can't wait to work the comedy magic club. <laughs> uh, he he's got he's he got basically owns Sunday. He's got a lot of stuff. He's got doesn't he have a car show on like yeah. MSNBC? Yeah. He's got a car show. He's got a line of denim shirts. Yeah, yeah, wear denim and denim. You know he didn't use a cent of this night show. Do you know I that? Know. Yeah. So people so don't know. The, I hate. I hate. I hate hearing that story. Why? He's like, I don't spend my night show money. Yeah, so he never. I, just, I spend my stand up money. Yeah, he never used a penny he made on the Tonight Show ever. We're gonna go jaywalking. <laughs> you hate Leno. Yeah. If Leno said, "I want to do something with you," you would. No know. way. No, no way. way. Actually, you know, it's fu- it's so funny. I used to think about that. I was like. Obviously, getting on late night is very important for a comedian. I couldn't do it. I'd rather not do a spot on the Jay Leno Tonight Show. No way. That's stupid, man. No way. If Can't could- do it. I'm a ride or die fucking Letterman guy, dude. The only reason I'm in this business is because David Letterman. I would ne- like it would be. I'd rather do fucking. I'd rather do you know comics unleashed with Byron Allen than do it than do a Jay Leno. Is that still show. a thing? I don't know. You know he bought the Weather Channel. Yeah, he owns the Weather. I love Comics Unleashed with Byron Allen was hilarious because he always be like just setting people up for bits. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd be like, hey, we got Andy Ruther. Andy, you've got a military brother. And you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> Comics Unleashed. Yeah. That, although a lot of talk show hosts do that. Yeah. People don't realize that. Even the mainstream guys but because because on comics unleashed there was like four guys yeah he would always do it he would uh, like the come out of one into the other one was always so random he's like that's funny that's so true about airplanes great that's great that's hilarious andy you're you have five brothers you're like what <laughs> how are these related he's like they're not at all what was more what's what was more hack comics unleashed or laughs on fox i mean hard to be more hacked than comics unleashed but, yeah, but Hofstetter's vest is doing the best it can. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have you back, Prano. I feel like it's been so long. Yeah, I know. A week off. How'd Tug do? Tug always crushes. Yep. Did you guys talk tennis? 
Did Tug come with some Wimbledon? He did. He talked a little Wimbledon. Uh, I assume he's watching the, what is it? The, 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 the Open. It used to be the British Open. Now it's just the Open. I, su- I hope he's watching. I assume he is. And, uh, yeah, Tug was great. You know, you and I have a funny little theory on Tug. He needs that fix. Yeah. I mean, he legit had a dinner date with his wife. He said a babysitter is going to have the kids from 4 to 10. So basically, six hours with my wife. He somehow finagled to get over to the smut studio. For Finagle hour, boy. For an hour and a half. The finagle boss. <laughs> from bagel boss to finagle boss. <laughs> but I feel like you missed well, uh, the... Hey, Tug, you, uh, you finagle with your wife sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, you know. I, I we should have Byron Allen come host Dirty Sports sometime. Yeah, uh, Joe, you you occasionally are no chill. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that four people are getting our Byron yeah. Allen references. I used to do this all the time on Kooks. This is this is just like a fucking Kooks throwback. Was was that across the country? His show in syndication. Probably, yeah. I imagine the thing with Byron Allen show is he. A uh, fun fact: he he bought his own airtime, yeah, and would just fucking sell it. He'd yeah, like, he'd like sell his own fucking ads. He's a smart businessman. Yeah, he owns the weather now. That's a weird. He's move. like, it's gonna be cold in San Francisco because I said so. And you're like, wow, all right, yeah. Byron. San Francisco, so uh, you got a lot of fog. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've missed a lot. You missed the. We didn't discuss the Chris Paul since you were gone. Yeah, I actually, I, I did have plans to listen to the episode with Tug where you guys discussed that trade because I wanted to hear your your guys' takes. What was what was the overall? Did you guys agree or disagree? Yeah, we mostly agreed. They improve. Although I, I said that, you know, I'll be curious because last time they played together, you know, James Harden wasn't even starting. Right. So... All I said was where he is in his career now versus back then is a lot different. Yeah. But obviously, Russell Westbrook's an improvement over Chris Paul. Agreed? Uh, yeah, I think I think for sure. I think, you know, potentially because um, the rumors that Harden and, and Russ were talking and this was like sort of a planned thing, like when, you know, uh, when Paul George went left and, and joined Kawhi in L.A., um, that they started talking about how to reunite. Perhaps that's a sign that Russell Westbrook is cons- like at least considering changing his style of play a little bit. Um, I have to imagine f- as far as like usage and as far as, you know, who would handle the ball the most, it would seem like kind of crazy for, Dan Tony to take Harden off the ball. And I've always said, much like Kyrie, I think Russell Westbrook would be a great two guard. Like he's very explosive. He gets the rim. He he shoots poorly from three the last couple of years, but we've what we've basically found in the NBA is unless you are James Harden, um, shooting threes off the dribble is not nearly as effective as catching and shoot, shooting. Um, I mean, even for James Harden, it's not going to be, he obviously doesn't catch and shoot the ball all that often, but, um, I feel like this is a great opportunity for Westbrook to catch and shoot the ball more, but also 
he can just like Chris Paul was, he can occasionally be the guy that facilitates that offense. And look, Russell Westbrook's number is absurd, but it's he's only got one more year on his deal than Chris Paul does. Yeah. And they had to do something. When the, it gives them the best backcourt, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, arguably. Again, it's all about how they fit together and how it makes it work. What we've seen with D'Antoni is it like people were like, oh, I don't get it. How's Chris Paul and, and James Harden going to work? Well, the first year that they were together, they had the best record in basketball. So he's going to find a way to use more point guards. Like this isn't a problem. But uh, I really think they have an opportunity to be very good. Like I think this could be the difference between them falling out of the list of contenders because so many other teams improved to jumping back in it if they can find a way to make it work. Yeah. And Chris Paul, the latest on that is he'll probably play the year. Everybody was thinking that he was going to be traded again or released and then picked up. And bought up. out, yeah. Yeah. They're saying... As long as the Knicks don't trade for him, I'm good. Well, they're saying that kind of both parties have agreed that, that trade talks have stalled and that both his people... No and one wants a $35 million two-point shooter. That's going to be at like $55 million or some nonsense number in two years? Yeah. You Surprising. Know, there was a lot of talk at first about the Lakers. Which I don't like. I don't think that that helps the Lakers. I, think that, I don't think that improves the Lakers. Yeah, it improves them from a depth standpoint. But then you've got the fact that like you're, you don't take Chris Paul for $30-plus million and then use him like you know, you're going to use Rondo. They're already talking about LeBron James being the true point guard of the team, like that he would actually be the one. Yeah. Which he has been essentially his whole career. But this is, that's the best thing for the Lakers. And I just think if you, it, it's almost like you can't spend, you can't buy a Maserati and then just leave it in the garage. Unless you're Jay Leno. Then you just have a whole garage full of cars. Um, but... So if you get Chris Paul, you have to use him. And that, that would be my fear is that they would use Chris Paul too much, that he would end up running the offense too much. Yeah. Well, Ben Simmons got a max deal. Is Ben, is ben Simmons the richest basketball player in history without a jump shot? I mean, it's wild. So he, he signed a five-year, $169.5 million deal, and he's getting paid starting in 2020 $29 million. That goes all the way up to $38.6 million by 2024. It's wild. Wild, you. I mean, you do had you, you had to do it, I right? Say, you have to do it, but if I'm Ben Simmons, and I know this is so played out with the jump shot, he's got the other game together. All he needs to do every single day, the minute he wakes up, the minute he goes to sleep, is work on his jump shot, right? Yeah. Not mess with the the Jenner girl, whoever he's messing with these days. Get out of that shit, because he because you're not you're not going to develop unless you have a jump shot. Right, I mean he's it's just gotta, and he's young. It's just got to be the the Jason Kidd situation. It's just got to be you can facilitate the offense, you can get the ball to other people, and then should the ball ever come back to you when you're standing on the perimeter, you have to be able to knock down the open jump shot. I don't care if it's a set shot. I don't care if it's a whatever. I don't care, you know. But you have to be able to make it. Otherwise, this contract will be a Z huge bust. Disastrous. 
I mean, and, and I, you he, know, I just asked, is he the richest player in the history without a jump shot? Obviously, you, you know, we have guys like Dwight Howard in the past, but he $169 million in one deal. I mean, the numbers just keep going up. He's got to be the richest basketball player ever without a jump shot. He might be the richest person ever without a jump shot. Like, does Warren Buffett have a better jump shot than Ben Simmons? It's a good question. He can't have a worse jump shot. They can have equal jump shots. Ben Simmons doesn't take jump shots. I mean... If, I don't, you don't, I don't think you want to include this as a jump shot. But when it comes to free throws, we both would shoot better from the line than him. What's he shoot from the line? Like sixty percent? I don't even think it's that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up. But while I do that, Simmons, Al Hortford, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid combined next year make one hundred and nineteen point seven five million. Yeah. For four players. That's crazy. $120 million. He shot 60% from the free throw line last yeah. year. So, yeah, it's pretty bad. The year before, he shot 56%. And he goes to the line a lot. Yeah, because he goes to the rack a lot. Man, it's going to be a fun season. You just mentioned Dwight Howard. He, he apparently is not gay. I just want to reiterate what he which, said. Uh, which we know because he made a statement that he's not gay, as all straight men do. Yeah. Isn't that the gayest thing you can do? Yeah. I'm not gay. No one asked. <laughs> she didn't even ask him. Yeah. So he went on... If you uh, go out on a date with a girl, you just sit down, you, 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 know, you order your drinks before the uh, appetizer arrives. She's like, I don't have herpes. You're like, wait, what? Why... Why did that come up? Have girls asked me if I'm gay at times? Yes. Have I said no because I'm not? Yes. But is Dwight Howard getting asked if he's gay? Let me just play the interview. This is with uh, Kristen Leahy. Uh, this is Fox Sports it, and, 1. And this is in... Why is he being interviewed? I don't know. Is he on a team? Wasn't he traded again? He was on the Wizards, right? The last team? Yeah. It's amazing you have to Wikipedia Dwight Howard. It's it's terrible, right? Yeah. Like like this is where we're at. I have to look this up. Dwight Howard is oh, the internet's running slow here. Uh let me play this though. Let me okay. let me play this clip. This is this is the interview where again he jumps into the lead on this. This wasn't him asked, Are you a homosexual man? He jumps into it himself to a situation last year that kind of um, just, it really just set me free. Actually, I take it back. She does end up asking if he's gay. But let's play it anyway. But he brought this up out of nowhere. The situation of you know him supposedly banging uh, transsexual. He's dudes. on the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, he's on Memphis. And he's 33, by the way. That's crazy. Okay. The situation, um, the allegation with you know a guy who said... Uh, End up being a situation that was it went viral. Mm -hmm. People were talking about it, and it, it upset me because I didn't even know who the person was. And I'm like, why was somebody who I've never met, never had any contact with? Okay, now I just want to stop it here. I listened to the phone calls. It was phone calls, right? No. Yeah. Wasn't it like DMs? No, but there were there was there was an actual voicemails or okay. phone calls. It sounded just like Dwight Howard. Now, I know people could impersonate. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. All right, let's see here what he says. He's like, Kobe said I was soft, and, uh, you know, that really hurt me, too, because I was always rock hard around Kobe. Wait, why Why are you saying this? (laughs) But I'm not gay. Totally gay. (laughs) My my gaydar is on fire right now just watching this interview. Like, I want to kiss him. (laughs) I want to have his eighth baby. Story about me. And I saw all the hate, the pure hate from people that I've never met before just pile up everywhere I went against me. Well, Dwight, hasn't that been going on for years? Like, like the hate against you has been mostly basketball related. Yeah. Have you been on Twitter? Have you been on Instagram? All right. And I think that liberated me um, because I saw how a lot of people would feel whether they're they're gay, whether they're straight, whether they have issues, people are afraid to be. Can I make a suggestion for Dwight Howard? If you're gonna do in, an interview and out of the nowhere claim not to be gay, don't wear capri pants to that interview. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. And his hairstyle, a lot of a lot of things that would again yeah. send that gaydar on fire. They're afraid to just step out and be like you said. Um, because they're afraid of what other people might say. But doesn't this sound like something a gay man would say coming out? Liberation and stepping out and being free. That's I just hope at the end of this he's like, I've, I've heard what you all said, and I just want you to know I am working on my jump shot. Like, oh, this isn't the gay quote at all. Or think about them. And so that situation made me realize, you're not like this. But just be you, be free. Meaning you're not gay. I'm, yeah, I'm not gay. So just, it's a lot of people who are. Mm-hmm. And they have to hide. And it's people who have mental issues and they have to hide. Bro, this is him coming out of the closet. That's all we need to hear. I mean, but she just, like, it was weird because he, I didn't get from what he was saying at all that he was saying he wasn't gay. But then she jumped to that. Like, I feel like that was some pre-interview shit. This is some Byron Allen shit. No, no, Dwight, I know you've played in Orlando, but you're not gay. No, 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 I'm not gay. <laughs> It was straight out of the Byron Allen playbook. Yeah, why did she mention meaning you're not gay? Yeah. Because I wasn't, I was going the opposite way. Like the first time I watched it, I'm thinking. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'm not gay. The first time he's I like, He's like, thanks for reminding me. The first time I watched it. That's thinking, what I was here to say. Like I said, he's leading up to coming out. He's saying liberating and feeling free and being open. And then he says gay and then he brings in mental is- issue. Like he's bringing in the mental health thing, which I. To me, that's like the big, that's the big use nowadays, right? The mental health. Obviously, it's a problem for a lot of people, but I don't know, man. This sounds straight out of the Byron Allen. I, look, whatever makes Dwight Howard happy, whatever. Like, I mean, obviously, he shouldn't have to say this one way or the other. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, like, he's on the Memphis Grizzlies now. He's on this, like, ninth basketball team. Like, I'm not sure... Like, how bad at, at basketball do you have to be before, like, any of this even is, like, uh, a, 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 it's fair to even be a topic. You know, like, when Michael Sam came out before the draft, everybody's like, oh, I got drafted in the sixth round, and then blah, blah, blah. It's like... Yeah, seventh but, round. Yeah. yeah. D- Dwight Howard's essentially Michael Sam at this point. Like, you're 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 now, like, the, the person that's thrown into trades to, like, make contracts match. Like Dwight Howard's 
essentially out of basketball. We had to Google it. Yeah. So, like, cool story. How, how many teams do you think you could name that he played for? Ah, probably most of them. Let's go Magic, Lakers, Rockets, Wizards, Grizzlies. Who am I missing? I'm definitely missing one. You're missing two. Two. Uh, he played for the Mavericks. No. Didn't play for the Mavericks? Didn't play for the Mavericks. Seems like he would have. Uh, played for the Hawks. There you go. One more. And played. Oh, remember when he went to the Hawks? Shout out to fucking Jonathan Cohen 09, who is sure that they were going to the NBA Finals. Oh, man. I'll never forget a troll. Jonathan Cohen 09. Does he still exist on it Twitter? M- it might have been Swingman 09. It might have been Jonathan Cohen 4 or something like that. Yeah, he blocked me um, because I just I would just bring up his old tweets that they were going to be better than the fucking LeBron's Cavs. Prano never forgets. Uh, one and, more. And the Nets. Nets? No, you're missing one more. Uh, did he play for the... Uh, come on. Come on. You want me to let you know? No. Come on. I could get this. He. I'm trying to think. Fuck. I would know if I saw the team. Charlotte. Oh, yeah. That's right. Michael Jordan, the the GOAT owner. Yeah. So we're at one, two, three, like four, eight, five, eight. six. Memphis would be seven. Seven teams. He came into the league in 2004-2005 season. Yeah. Crazy, man. So, so basically, at this point, he has as many teams as he has baby mamas. He gets a new baby mama every team. Because I think he's got a shit ton of kids, right? He just names his kids after the team. He's like, Grizzly, get over here. <laughs> Bring Wizard with you. Bobcat, stop beating your sister up. <laughs> Bobcat. <laughs> Can you imagine he has a son that like, like Bobcat Howard? It's like Bobcat Goldthwaite. <laughs> Now, now. By the way, I love getting into these websites. Dad, how come we can't shoot free throws? This, this is from, bro. I is my computer gonna go on fire if I click on this site? This is from EmpireBootyKitty.com. <laughs> Empire Booty Kitty. Empire Boo Boo. No, I said it wrong. Empire Boo Boo Kitty.com is claiming he has eight baby mamas. Now, that's Empire Boo Boo Kitty, so we don't know the legitimacy of that. Now, Complex, which is more like As being reported by Empire Boo Boo Kitty. Now, Complex has an article from 2017, and, and they're legit. Yeah. He, he has five kids with five different women. And I stand by what my- What you said, that was from 2014? That was 2017. Oh, yeah, but that's plenty of time to have a couple more kids. And I stand by my theory- Oh, 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 why, why, oh, 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 I'm into it. 
He has a great. It, it's weird because he has a terrible. He can't shoot. He can't score. I see. My he has th- a terrible jump shot on the court. My theory is he can. He just refuses to face the basket. He just like has to back guys down. He's just like always backing into dudes. Oh, that's another theory. Yeah, like I, he can make an eight footer. He just refuses to turn and face the players. He's like, I'm not trying to kiss you. I'm trying to put this big old ass in you. I'm trying to get pregnant with a grizzly. I will say, watching that interview, the set looks very similar to where we're sitting here in San Francisco. Yeah. They they had that interview in Tony Calabrese's apartment. Why why Dwight Howard's living in San Francisco in the offseason? Spinning spinning question emoji. By the way, I said this to Prano when we started. This house has some great podcast memories of the infamous the turtle story. The, tur- so the turtle story was told. The, to- the turtle story, and it was also post Fat Jason Kid watch Prano watch baseball, and yeah. also the Tonga Room. The first Tonga Room. Yeah. Now I'm going to put this out here on the podcast. Okay. I really want to go to the Tonga Room after our show Friday. Let's do it. Can we do it? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to invite everybody listening. Okay. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. We're going to go to the Tonga Room. First, come see us. Which is in the basement of the Fairmont Hotel where it rains. It will rain in the basement. They have, how would you describe the band? Uh, Like Island. It's an island band. I believe there's a steel drum. Hawaiian, but like the. the Yeah. Yeah. Let's call it Polynesian. Polynesian? Well, the whole whole room's, it's a tongue, it's a tiki bar. Yeah, it's a tiki bar. It's a Polynesian theme. It rains. There's a boat. That the band comes out on. We were mind blown last time. Yeah. It was me, you, and your brother. And vampires. <laughs> remember the vampires sitting next to us? How could I, do you remember how that night played out, by you the way? You looked over at them and you couldn't see. Like they, Everybody uh, else was in color and they were in sepia tone. <laughs> and they were all wearing like t- tuxedos with tails. Like they were it fucking. It was so weird. Yeah. It's an interview with a vampire. It was so bizarre. 12 year old Kirsten Dunst was sitting next to us. <laughs> What a night. So, guys, see us if you're in the Bay Area. We'll be there at the setup on Friday night. I know some dirt balls are coming out. It's a great show in San Francisco, a nice, very, very small, intimate comedy club. That's Friday night. And then Saturday, we're in Oakland. Saturday, we're in Oakland. Uh, we, I got the time wrong on my website, but it's, it's been corrected, but not on the poster. Campo Vida, which is a winery in Oakland, uh, shows doors at 7, show at 7.30, it's going to be fun. We'll be hanging out and drinking wine thereafter. I think that's going to be a, a night for uh, public transportation and or you designated driving. I can do that. So I'm about to get Liddy on some rosé. Rosé all night. Saturday night in <laughs> yeah. Oakland. Yeah. And Sunday, we're being in Santa Cruz. Yep. At the Crow's Nest. That's right. And we're going to, I think, spend the day, right? In Santa yeah, Cruz? Yeah. I've never spent the day there. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, we, you know, I know that you're a big Little Lies fan on HBO. I was thinking we should go do like a Monterey tour and go, you know, go hit all your favorite spots from your favorite HBO show. I have a feeling you watch that show. I love Big Little Lies. Do you? Are you kidding? Yeah, it's you know, great. You know who loves it? Joanne. Really? Yeah, I could see that. She won't stop talking about it. In fact, she forced Walt to get HBO for that. Wow. That was a big, that was a big decision. Apparently, It's he, what? He was not happy. Who's lying? <laughs> What are they lying about? The big lie. 
You mean like 9-11? No, it's a show on HBO. I have a great Walt story I want to share with everybody. I talked to my mom yesterday driving up. You know, long drive. It's a long phone call. Don't we have HBO still? I thought I bought it for the Tyson fight. Like, Walt, what year is it? My mom said, I said, what are you doing this weekend, Mom? She goes, well, me and your dad, we're going to Nashville. And uh, that's like the spot now. Have you, have you heard this? Like everybody. Yeah, from, Nash Vegas. From my region because it's close. It's like four hours away. I said, well, me and your dad are going to Nashville and we're going to see Michael Buble. And <laughs> they love Michael Buble. But here's the best part. My mom goes, your dad, we've been listening to him for years, can't pronounce his name. And he pronounces it Michael Buble. And she goes, the best part is when he gets He's in like, his- I can pronounce it. He's just my boo though. He's what? He's your boo. He's boule. Apparently, my, I said, Mom, you have to get a video of this next time. She goes, he gets in the car and he'll say, hey, Siri, play Michael Boule." <laughs> and my mom goes, this probably happens one out of every two signs or two times. Siri doesn't understand him. And Siri will be like, who is Michael Boule?" And he's like, Siri, play Michael Boule." Your dad using fucking voice commands. He's obsessed with Siri. That's such an old man thing. Yeah, man. I, I don't think I've ever used Siri ever. Really? Not, not even once. I mean, I turned off "Hey Siri," but I, I I use the button. You do? Yeah, all the time. I do. I do like call. You know, call Andy Ruther. Yeah, we're going to the Giants Mets game tonight. You know it. Where did we get those tickets? We got them on SeatGeek. I think so. Yeah. SeatGeek. Every time we come to San Francisco again, we get the same tickets on SeatGeek. We actually have a deal with SeatGeek at this point. We're like, we need those front row seats behind the Mets dugout when they come to town. Yeah. And tonight we get to see Mets. Thor. Thor. Not only do we get to see Thor, we get to see Thor through a net. That's right. So we'll make sure that we have nice video and photos of that for you guys to see what it's like to view first row. Well, a lot of our fans are like, you won't even notice. You just see right through it. It's like it's not there. I think it's just one guy. Yeah. I think it's just that one guy. So, Dirtballs, if you want to join us tonight down. You're watch Prano, watch baseball, as Fat Jason Kidd said. Yeah. Hop on SeatGeek. Get you some tickets. If not, use SeatGeek for any sports event, any comedy show, you name it, guys. SeatGeek is the official ticket app sponsor. And I send people koozies, Prano. I got some text and some DMs, I should say, this week. Some koozies are going out for Dirtballs using promo code DIRTY because SeatGeek will give you $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use our promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. Okay, moving along. We're talking a little baseball. We're going to the Giants-Mets game. I am excited to see Thor. I sent you this article. I don't even know how I stumbled across it. Mm-hmm. An article from Bloomberg, and I think it's a really interesting article that goes beyond the title, which says "Die Hard Mets and Rockets and Bears." It's kind of a joke of that in the title. Fans are going extinct, but the title describes how wide access to bite-sized sports videos is creating. I love this term. You see it in sexuality. Fluid fans willing to shift loyalty. Yeah. So basically, this article goes and breaks down how fans are not fans anymore. They're not ride or die. Right. 
Well, this is something that we've been see we've seen change, you know, uh, recently for sure. You get you get a lot of these like I'm a fan of a player, and especially now, more and more uh, people are leaving teams for players than before, where you were just a ride or die fan. Like for example, you know, take uh, Sam Tripoli, who grew up a Knicks fan. And then, uh, and is now a Clippers fan, you know? Sure, he's not uh, quite of the age that this article, this article is really calling out more of younger, you know, bitch-ass, soft-ass millennials, of which apparently Sam identifies because he abandoned his team. And he's like, I'm a fan of players and the way they treated Patrick Ewing or some bullshit lame-o excuse for why he fucking abandoned his childhood team, you know? And, uh... But this article says, essentially, and it's funny because it says, uh, basically, eight years old yeah. when a team the, wins. This is key. It says, it says if you were born in 1978, you're most likely to be a Mets fan. Obviously, I'm born in 1979, just turned 40, ride or die Mets fan, except for the, the Bud Selig years, which we'll talk about next. But this is what I love about this article. They, they did a legit study on this, and what Prano's saying is what they find in the study is that fan behavior, they say, solidifies around ages seven to eight, most fan behavior. And it's the same way with me. Yeah. How old were you when the Reds won? I was eight years old. Yep. I was eight going on nine when they won the World Series. And I think that's why for me. You're sitting here right now with your Reds hat on. They won in 1990 when you're eight. The Bengals won when? Never. And you have abandoned them. Well, that, that's that's a deeper issue. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but it's the same way with me. You you have been critical of me because I was rooting for Xavier against my team, my alma mater. It's the same thing. I started going to Xavier games at age yeah, seven. We, what year was Tugborn? I don't know, but I have a feeling the Celtics, Cowboys, Michigan, Virginia Cavaliers. Like, what year was it? Can, can we trace back? Tugs, like weirdo fucking... That's a great point. Sports fandom. So they're saying it all solidifies... That Tug was mentioned. At that age. And I think it's right. And I think that's why if you don't have a father figure to, in a way, guide you or friends, you're kind of a lost cause. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yeah. Like, the kid that I used to nanny for was around that age. Right, and his dad wasn't wasn't diehard sports. Yeah, so I remember he was like a Pats fan, and then he was whoever the good basketball team. You know, I was like, dude, you, you can't do, you can't be doing this. Yeah, you can't be picking all the best teams. And also now, in fairness, a little bit in in defense of it is we have access to everything, right? Like, if you were a, and that's part of the article, if you were a Celtics fan. And you're living in L.A., it, it, you know, let's say your dad's a Celtics fan or whatever, or you are, or you can watch every Celtics game. You could even watch every Celtics game. Forget League Pass. You could do the Reddit stream thing, and you could – I know they shut that down recently, but, like, look, if you're a millennial, you can find your team. When I was a kid, yes, there was – like, nobody – none of my parents were sports fans, really. Like, if anything, my mom's probably a Yankee fan. Um but obviously became a Mets fan. Like you said, the Mets were good 
in in 86 when I was a kid growing up. The first baseball game I'd ever gone to as a Mets fan, a friend took me. Um, my mom is from Queens, you know, so she's like, there was that, like, oh, we'll go to Mets games. So, like, oh, I was a Mets fan. I was a Jets fan for a hot minute. Obviously, you know, my relationship with the Giants at a young age was like, oh, now I'm a Giants fan. But, like, when it was the Knicks growing up, yeah, Magic Johnson was good and Larry Bird was good and Jordan was good. But I had MSG. That's it. I just watched Knicks games. I was a Knicks fan. I was also at that point like, oh, I'm a New York fan. Like, I'm just going to be a New York fan. No one in my family, I, I don't think my parents growing up could have I say, I want to watch Knicks games. They'd have been like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you find that all on your own. But then, then it becomes like a prideful thing of I'm just going to be a fan of New York teams, you know? And uh, these days, you see it. You see it on the internet and you, see, you hear it from millennials. Like, somebody has every Dwight somebody just bought a Dwight Howard Grizzlies jersey because they've been fucking changing their allegiance with whatever team Dwight Howard gets traded to it's happened with you know Kevin Durant I'm sure it happened with LeBron James I'm sure it happened with Kyrie like people are more player fans these days than team fans is that a bitch move yeah I think it is yeah I agree I, I, I think it is for sure like I'll never root for the Lakers. Like, will I root for the Lakers versus somebody else? Sure. Sure. Am I rooting for LeBron James' success as I'm a LeBron James fan? Yeah. But I'm not a Lakers fan. Yeah. Uh, you'll never hear me say I'm a Laker fan. You just won't. Like, it's, I'm not. Yeah. I agree. I, and I think it's a total, I think it's a weak move. And I get it. And that's what the article highlights, that there is more access. You know, growing up, I could only watch one team. You know, even even growing up at, at that age, Fox like a Fox Sports affiliate didn't even exist. Yeah. Like I'd only watch. I used to listen to every baseball game on the radio. Yeah. You know, because it's not like it's a big market, Cincinnati. So it's it's just it's just amazing to me that it it kind of sucks because that loyalty. Um, like it, it's interesting to see what where sports will be in twenty thirty years. Because of that, because it's all, it's all guys who just don't have any sort of emotional connection. I think with it being your hometown, like you're saying, going to Mets games, going to Giants games, because those are all my memories of going to those games as a fan. How big of a connection can you have? I mean, now, I mean, that's that's a whole other thing now too. Is like I think people don't go to games as much at all because there's access to things. Like, you can watch it on TV. You can keep up on uh, with it on your phone. Or if you're Sam Triple, you can do none of those things. You know what I mean? You just, like, look at the box score at the end of the day and scream at somebody that they're garbage. Will Sam ever come on Dirty Sports? Um, or will it just turn into a yelling match? Uh, yeah. It, if he came on, that's exactly what it would turn into. Because, you know, when people scream... No, I don't know. You know, Sam's Sam's basically a cornered animal. Like Sam just yells garbage because he doesn't want anybody to hear your points. Like for example, that Sam hasn't been to a Clippers game since 2018. You know, according to his Instagram, where he posts literally everything he does all the time. Been a lot of UFC fights since then, and he's been to a lot of a couple Dodgers games, but. You know, according to Sam Tripoli's Instagram, hasn't attended Clippers games since December twenty third, twenty eighteen. Now, 
Look, I've attended a Clippers game since then. I wouldn't call myself a Clippers fan. Shots fired. Serious shots fired. But, of course, you know, the Clippers were really, really good in the first half last year. Are you calling him a Fairweather fan, Prano? Yeah. Yeah. Prior to Kawhi signing, his his Twitter was just calling the NBA garbage and saying that, you know, Adam Silver's – a puppeteer that's making it so that the Lakers get all the best players and that he's done watching basketball if Kawhi teams up with LeBron James because how dare two of the best wing players in basketball join together in a big market to, you know, save the league or whatever. But then suddenly not boycotting basketball anymore when Kawhi joined up with another dominant wing player in Los Angeles because, you know, it was the Clippers. Not a garbage league anymore. the The league wasn't the league when the league when the league stopped the Lakers from getting Chris Paul. It was fine. When the Clippers ended up getting Chris Paul, it was definitely fine. As proven by the fact that you know Sam Tripoli held up a Chris Paul jersey, excited about Chris Paul joining the Lakers. Lob City, your team's garbage unless they're lobbing the ball. Now he hates Chris Paul, of course, because you know they didn't win anything. But anyway, it, Sam Tripoli's Clipper fandom is basically like he might one day do a comedy show with Blake Griffin. <laughs> That's basically it. Maybe one day Blake Griffin will do do fucking, you know, whatever Sam calls it. Com- Angry comedy in the main room. I think it's comedy chaos. Comedy chaos. At the comedy store. I think you guys need to sit down. We gotta talk this out. I don't think Sam sits down. I think uh cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Garbage. He did hang up on me the last time he invited me to call into Punch Drunk, he hung up on me. Yeah. The minute the ring discussion got brought up. The minute I said, Well, Robert Ori has seven seven rings. Yeah. Just got hung up on. So I think it would be difficult even for me. I think I'm pretty good at this as a moderator to keep a show like that in check. Uh, Dirt Paul, just go to Sam Tripoli's Instagram and go back to December 23rd, 2018 and put, is this the last? I want I want to comment on his last Instagram from uh, but I feel Clippers like he, games. Is this the last Clipper game you attended? Why did you not attend the Clipper game in all of 2019? Your team made the playoffs. Is yeah. it possibly because you're hashtag garbage? You know who else is garbage? Bud Seelig. I can't believe you sent me this art. It's like you were trying. You were like Prano had a week off. He's probably chilled. He's probably whatever. What? Why don't I? It was. It, I. You basically woke me up by shoving a hot poker up my ass. <laughs> you hit me in the face with like a fucking fly swatter to wake me up in the morning. I mean, how can you miss this? Like, like this is this is vintage setting you up for a no chill rant. So Bud Seelig has a book out now, which uh by the way, I'm not I'm not a advocate of burning books, but please burn this one. So he has a book out now, which he's doing all the publicity to promote, and he's talking about Barry Bonds. There's multiple articles that I have. So I have him talking about Bonds on the Dan Patrick show and also, did I pull the excerpt from the book? 
Oh, this is it. I'll give you the gist of it. He wasn't happy that Barry Bonds... Let, let me read it, actually. Okay. I ha- this is an excerpt from his book, For the Good... The, dude, the title of this book is the most offensive yeah. thing to anybody who's a baseball fan. It's titled, For the Good of the Game. The inside story of the surprising and dramatic transformation of Major League Baseball that he almost ruined. I think that was the surprising part. So he says, this is, this, is, this is direct quotes from his book. I'll just read a few of the quotes. But the summer of, 20, of 2007 was unpleasant for me. And when I look back, that's putting it mildly. It was one of the few times in my life I wasn't excited about going to ballparks. And if you know me, that's all you need to know. As Barry Bonds closed in on the all-time home run record, I flew around the country and spent nights in places like the Four Seasons and the Westin, St. Francis. I was never far from my next Diet Coke. As far as a personal hardship goes, about all there was to worry about was to wait to get on a treadmill in the fitness room before getting a bite and heading out to the ballpark. And he proceeds to describe... Uh, here's another excerpt. Bonds was on the verge of breaking Henry Aaron's record for home runs... And I was doing what a commissioner of a sports league is supposed to do. I was, you know, he's saying he's going across the country, blah, blah, blah. And then he brings in this. Like Shoeless Joe Jackson and Pete Rose, Barry had brought scandal to the game. I'd fallen in love with as a boy and now led as baseball's ninth commissioner. I wasn't going to sing his praises as I'd done for Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa when they smashed Roger Maris's single home run record. Why? But, but see, that's, that's, that's the shit that pisses me off about this article is like, Everybody knew. Everyone. So you Everyone. praised them because they were they brought attention back to the game. You praised them because they were having this home run race and no one and no one was talking about it. Everybody knew, you knew, because you're a fuckbag, but no one was talking about it. It wasn't the thing. It wasn't this. You were like, I'm fine using steroids to promote baseball unless people are going. This is a steroid home run race. Once it's out there, then you're going to be an asshole about it. So you let it happen. But then when it's exposed that you let it happen, you turn your back to it. So it was fine when it was good for baseball. But now that it's a black eye on baseball, you're, it's, it's also something that you don't support. Like there's never been a more self-serving person in the history of fucking sports than Bud Selig. Everybody knew that they were on steroids. And by the way, again, once again, for the final time, Barry Bonds won three straight MVPs prior to steroids. Bud Selig alone, Bud Selig alone is responsible for Barry Bonds taking steroids. He's responsible for it because, as he just said, he promoted McGuire and Sosa. So when he promotes McGuire and Sosa and says, this is so good for baseball, they're chasing Maris. This is the best thing that's ever happened. Bring Make baseball great again. Everybody loves the home runs. Let's juice the balls. Let's juice the players. When Barry Bond sees that, he goes, I will do what they're doing and hit 100 home runs. And he would have. So then, this is literally a monster created by Bud Selig that he is now not supporting. 
It's wild. It really is. I mean, the fact that he would openly say that. And he's that, like, and I didn't want to support him also because I once sold a car to Hank Aaron, who's from Milwaukee, and fuck you. To act like in 1998 he wasn't aware, and then by 2007, when this is happening, that he suddenly woke. If Bud Selig looked at the human beings who are Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in 1998 and didn't know that they were on steroids, he did not write this book because he does not have the ability to read or write because he is an actual mongoloid. Everybody knew. I I repeated this on a million episodes of Dirty Sports. I've repeated this on a million episodes of Dirty Slides. I've repeated this in every conversation I've ever been asked about steroids. My brother John is not a sports fan. My brother John would not be able to pick James Harden out of a lineup. If I said, who is James Harden? He would not know. If I asked him who Christian Yelich was, he would not know. He would not know who Mike Trout is. If I said, who is Mike Trout? My brother would have no idea. He'd be like, Trump's vice president? He has no idea, okay? When I was a kid, growing up, the Bash brothers, Kinseko and McGuire, were hitting fucking home runs. My brother John, not a sports fan, in 1989 said, those guys are on steroids. He's like, you know who else is on steroids? All the wrestlers you, you love, they're on steroids. He's the one breaking news to me. If my brother, not a sports fan, knows Kinseko McGuire on steroids, just to piss his brother off. He's just, he's just trying to pull the curtain down. Wrestling's fake. Those guys are on steroids. He's just being an asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bud Selig fucking knew. The commissioner of baseball? The commissioner of baseball. And the nerve of him to now say... That Barry Bonds is not the all-time home run king, and that it's Hank Aaron. After he allowed that, after he no, lo- no, not no, stop. Uh, that's un. He facilitated. He created. He is the reason Barry Bonds. He is the single reason Barry Bonds took steroids. Bud Selig is one man, and one man alone is responsible for Barry Bonds being the all-time home run leader, and that man is Bud Selig. The end. That's it. No one else. Not the fucking, not the guy who gave him the drugs, not Roger Clemens, not fucking Sosa, not Maguire, not Canseco, not fucking, anyway, the sole reason Barry Bonds has the most home runs ever is Bud Selig because this scientific phenomenon happened. Bud Selig watched it happen. Bud Selig promoted it happening, propped it up on a pedestal, Showed it to the held it, held a steroid needle up in front of the, the valley of baseball like it was the fucking Lion King and said, everybody look at this. Isn't it great? This is the new thing. Isn't it amazing? And Barry Bonds said, what the fuck? These guys have been taking steroids for years. Barry Bonds is playing in the Bay Area. Fucking, you don't think he knows fucking Canseco? Barry Bonds played in the Pac-10 with McGuire. You don't think he fucking knows McGuire is on steroids? 
You don't think Barry Bonds of all people knew, but he didn't take them. Why didn't he take them? Because he didn't need them to win MVPs. Only when those people who took the most so blatantly were lifted up by Bud Selig and said, these are baseball's heroes. These are America's heroes. Love them. Like Get down and praise them and kiss their feet. Only then did Barry Bonds take steroids. And that is why Bud Selig is the sole reason that Barry Bonds has the most home runs of all time. And it's why I literally hope Bud Selig gets hit by a car that was once owned by Hank Aaron, that he sold. I hope he gets run over by a car he sold Hank Aaron. I hope a 1968 Chevy Chevelle just cripples Bud Selig. And, and puts him in a wheelchair, since he already looks like fucking Stephen Hawking. Just finish the job, you fucking crippled old white fuck loser. Buy the book. I will pay a dirt ball. I will pay a dirt ball to Amazon Prime this book and take a shit in it. And, and fucking tag Bud Selig and tag MLB. I need a, I need a dirt ball to take a human shit in this book and then close it. We should show up to a book signing. I bet you think he's doing book signings? No. There's no way, right? No. I will look it up, though. If he's doing any book signings in the greater Los Angeles area. I'm going to ask him to sign a book that I already shit in. And cause a stink, literally and figuratively. I want to read this last quote that he has. This is on Dan Patrick's show. Dan Patrick asked if C-League would ever vote Bonds into Cooperstown. This quote is mind-blowing. It's, it's, it's offensive that he would say this, especially after what you just said, and it's all true. So he's asked if he would ever vote Bonds into Cooperstown. But C-League responds, that's one I will not answer because what I've said is I did everything I could do. Talk about bullshit. He then proceeds to say to Dan Patrick, remember this, Dan, and I don't have to tell you this. Baseball not only didn't have a drug testing program, we went through the cocaine area, a cocaine era, I'm sorry, a serious problem in the 80s. 29 guys are convicted, four go to jail, and they couldn't get a drug program. And then he proceeds to say, so I'm proud of where we are. As if he instituted this comprehensive drug program that's just a lie he instituted this comprehensive fucking drug problem because the u.s government stepped in the u.s government had to step in to try to save baseball also the idea that you're going to let it get to the point that it gets out of control and that you're he's pissing on the ashes of a burned down house like he's a fireman like, dude, you didn't show up with a fire truck. You showed up when the house is over and you're pissing out the ashes. Like, you blew it. It's, you, you're the sole reason that baseball has a steroid error. You are. If you can get it done after, then why couldn't you get it done before? I almost want to watch the interview with Patrick and also maybe some other ones because I'm curious to know, is any interviewer asking him this? Is any interviewer saying, Bud, you didn't think Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Rafael Palmero and all these guys, you didn't think when fucking Brett Boone suddenly 
hit 50 home runs in one season, that everybody's on the juice, that Brady Anderson jacks 50 home runs as a leadoff hitter of the Baltimore Orioles. You didn't think that they were on the juice? He knew. Of he, course it, he knew. No, but, no, no, but he knew knew. Like, he knew for sure. This was not a question. This was, I know, but I'm not going to do anything about it. We don't have a fucking drug policy. It's a player's, you, you know, we just had a strike. We can't have a strike again. But here's the thing. It was a, it was a combo. And saying we're, I'm not going to do it so that we don't have another strike is bad. Saying I'm going to promote it to bring fans back after the strike is why he's the goddamn devil. He didn't not do anything. It's not just that he didn't do anything. He promoted it. They pushed it. Inst- he What he did when he showed up to the burning house, yes, now he's pissing on the, the rubble to put it out. He also threw gasoline on it when he drove by. He is the fucking reason for the fire. And this has always been my problem, and I think we highlighted on this show Dude, all you have to do, this is for anybody. Dude, you're old, man. Just fucking own it. Just own it. You're old. You're going on this book tour. Just own it and say you knew. You knew that all these guys were on the juice. They were all on PDs. Just say you knew. Instead, you're doing this sham book tour, and you're going to go to your goddamn grave in the next 10 years, never just owning up and saying, I fucked up. Just, just own it. Just say you fucked up. You allowed it to happen. You exacerbated the situation. Absolutely offensive. Truly is. Yep. And I can't wait for guys like him just die off and get past all this and put this behind because it's 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 just utterly offensive to have the balls to say how you were so offended to show up to the ballpark when Barry Bonds was about to break the record because it was tainted. When nine years ago, before that, you were propping these guys. I can vividly remember the same By thing. By the 1990s, steroids had become an epidemic. According to the Yankee years, by Joe Torre and Tom Verducci, Rick Helling, a pitcher for the Texas Rangers, stood up at a winter meeting of the executive board of Major League Baseball Players Association and reported this problem. Ignish, initially ignored, Helling's claim later became too large to disregard because of statistical absurdity. That's it. Winter meetings. What year is this? Stands up. Doesn't have the exact year, but this is... Prior to the home run race. Okay. So probably mid to somewhat late 90s. That's it. When a player representative from a team stands up at your winter meetings and said, we have an, a steroid epidemic. If you're the commissioner of baseball. You address it. You're lying from that point on, even if that's the first you know about it. Even if you're so fucking stupid that John Prano, not a sports fan, knows in 1989, you, the commissioner of baseball, don't know that. Even if you're that fucking stupid, in everything from that moment on, you lied. 
You're a liar. This book is a lie. Your life is a lie. You'll burn in hell. There is no hell. But if there was, you're going there. And I hope somebody pisses on you to put out the fucking ashes. You're, he's the, the, the worst thing in the history of baseball is Bud Selig. The worst thing in the history of baseball. Not fucking banning black players from playing. Not f- Bud Selig is the worst thing that ever happened to baseball. Yeah, I, might, I might say segregation. Yeah? Lots of things were segregated up to that point. Lots of things. Okay? This was the culture in America. Bud Selig is one man in charge letting the fucking game fall apart. On purpose. And here we are in 2019, and I think that's important. Still talking about it. We're talking about a home run race that happened. We're talking about it because how dare he write that? Yeah. We're talking about a race that happened in 1998. I'm talking 20-plus years later, we're still discussing if Bond should be in the Hall of Fame, if Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. We're still doing this shit because of Bud Seeley, guys. That's very important. It's, 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 just, a, it's just a crock, man. <sighs> you want to wrap it up with some dirtball calls? Multiple koozies. Ten koozies for anybody that shits in Bud Seeley's book, puts it on video, and, and shares it to the internet. You heard it, guys. Joe Prano has put out the bat signal. I want this to become a viral sensation. I want multiple people. Twitter will take down that video. I don't need to see your ass. I just need to see shit falling into Bud Selig's book. All righty. You heard it, guys. Let's get to some dirtball calls now. Dirtballs, dirtball calls. Dirtballs, dirtball calls. Dirt balls, dirt ball cars. We got the dirt balls, dirt ball cars. We're going to keep it baseball related, Prano, for the first couple calls. Okay. Hey, Joe Andy. It's uh, Jay Lunsford calling you from beautiful South Carolina. I just wanted to get Prano's take real quick on uh, the Atlanta Braves. I understand it's a division rivalry. He's a Mets fan. I completely get that. We are 21 games over 500 right now. Um, a great offense. Um, I just, I just want to know his take on this team and uh, what he thinks they're capable of and what they'll realistically do. Um, I think uh, we still lack that playoff pitching. Personally, I don't think we're World Series bound this year, but we're on the right track. And um, you know, the greatest young roster I've seen in a very, very long time. So uh, I'm just interested, and uh, stay dirty. Um, the Braves do have a fantastic young roster. I've said that for a couple of years. I agree also with uh, the idea that they don't have quite enough dominant game-changing pitching to um, go deep in the playoffs to go to a World Series, to win a World Series. Uh, Mike Soroka is 10-1 and one with a 2.24 ERA. He's obviously been one of the best pitchers in the National League. Uh, they added Keuchel, who has been, you know, average. I think he's 3-3 three and three or something like that. Is He's probably got a 
three and a half to four, you know, somewhere between three and a half, four ERA. So he's been just, you know, he's been uh, basically a replacement pitcher. You know, he's been whatever. Now, Keuchel does have tons of playoff experience, postseason experience. He's a former Cy Young winner. He's the kind of guy who, yeah, can show up and shove in in a playoff game. Absolutely. I, I believe he has that ability, not from maybe a physical sense anymore, but again, a lot of, you know, playoff baseball is, you know, you have to have experience. You have to know how to fucking work hitters. Uh, Tehran is probably uh, their other guy. Um, he's always been sort of hit and miss. Um, I don't think he, while he has the stuff, he's never shown the ability to like go in that, that he would be able to go into a playoff game and be a lights out guy. Um, I, my fear with the Braves, and when I say fear is like if I'm talking as a Braves fan as opposed to being a Mets fan, my the, the joy I take in it as a Mets fan is it's almost a reverse of what they did in the 90s where they had all the great pitching and, you know, they had the chippers and the whatever, and they kind of just were like, well, we have the pitching and we're just going to ride with these this lineup every year where I, I feel like they would have a, a couple more World Series if they had taken that dominant pitching they had and just gone, fuck, let's just get a free agent. Let's just get a big-time free agent. I, I almost feel like that's what they have to do in the reverse here. They have a good young team. They have an incredible young lineup. And, yeah, they added you know Donaldson and they added whatever. But from a pitching standpoint, get yourself a – you know give up one of these young guys, whether it be one of the guys who's in the big leagues who's coveted or – a prospect that's in your system that's coveted that you don't need because you have such a good young lineup and make a move for a fucking sure thing vet starter to add to this because you never know what you're going to get from a, a Keuchel at his age. You never know what you're going to get a, from a Soroka. The first time facing fucking the best hitters, you know, in baseball when it comes to playoff time. So... Uh, yeah, I, I look at this Braves team and I say that they have potential to be good for a really long time, but they aren't quite there for, from a pitching standpoint. Now, their pitching's been really good, and their bullpen's been really good, but their bullpen is uh, being used a lot, and I think they're being used, you know, 10th most in baseball or something like that. Um, so, again, I just think it's about dominant pitching. I think, you know, when you look at... Th- those teams, you you need at this point two aces to go and and I don't know who the single ace is on this team yet. Soroka is obviously not, but like you know we've we've seen that in in the past couple of years when that's happened with other teams. Like oh this guy has never done it before gets there. Does he have lights out stuff to get it done? You know against say a Dodgers team in lineup in the NLCS. I don't know. I don't think so. All right, let's wrap it up with one more baseball-related call. Hey, guys, what's going on? Freezy here. Um, and Cincy, I just wanted to just talk a little bit about or ask your guys' opinion, which I really I hope I know your opinion on it, of advancing on a pass. The, the new rule that uh, the MLB is kind of testing, I guess, in the Atlantic League of – Advancing on a passed ball, regardless of the count, so if a, you know a ball gets away from the catcher or something, and it's a one-zero count, well, the runner can try and you know steal first. The, the batter can try and steal first, um, which it might be the single dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Um, 
I, I hope we get a Perino ran out of this because it's the fucking dumbest shit ever. Like, dumbest. Other, maybe the three batter bedroom is terrible, but this is a whole new level of just ridiculous. If this passes, I mean, what the fuck? Um, anyway, um, thanks guys. Uh, peace. I, I, I agree 100% that it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a rant out of me simply because I just don't even know why this is a thing. Like, w- w- what part of baseball, what what flaw was there in baseball that this is addressing? This is not making the game shorter. This is not making, like, why does baseball need this? Why is it like this is the equivalent of the NBA being like in the third quarter, in the third quarter alone, there'll be a second hoop on top of the hoop. And when you shoot free throws, the higher hoop will be worth two points. Like you is this rock and jock. Like you're just creating something out of thin air that doesn't address anything about baseball. It's very XFL esque. It it's it's preposterous. There's just it. Again, it's just a, a a rule that's created with nothing, with no purpose behind it. Yeah, I'd also I'd also argue that half of the teams wouldn't even like half the players in your lineup. You're not even going to want them to do it. Well, now when you're talking about like uh, exit velocity and fucking launch angle, like if you have Mike Trout up, do you want him taking first base on a pass ball? Funny you say that. A couple things I want to address. One, well, one, I, I, I'm intrigued by it. I'm not saying I like the rule, but th- there is this. You know what else draws a crowd? A golfer with an arm growing out of his ass. But that's what I'm saying. It's more of the the circus act, the carnival of, oh shit, it's something crazy. Do you want to? You honestly want to know what would be a better rule? That would be just as absurd, but actually addresses the situation. If you hit a child with a foul ball, you get a base free. Take down the nets. If you crack a human skull with a foul ball, if a if a if a player if a fan in the audience has to leave after being getting hit with a foul ball, you get the base. That would actually make more sense because now you're taking a problem that baseball has. And you're factoring it into the game. Now there's a benefit. Oh, everybody hated fans getting hit. Well, now what if fans get hit? You get a base. I saw. I saw a couple. I saw something that I'd never seen before. You're talking about. I think it's interesting. You're talking. Would like Mike Trout even take first base? I was watching the Reds Cubs game this week, and. I didn't know you could do this. Baez was hit by the pitch. He didn't take it. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. He was like, fuck it. I, and then the Cubs announcers had a huge discussion about that. Because at the time it was a tie ball game. It was the eighth inning. They're saying, he ended up getting a base hit actually. A single. But they're saying, wow, like you have that much trust in your ability as a hitter to do something more and just get on first base. So it does play, that would be put into play on the past ball. And they also, the announcers also brought up another rule during that broadcast, which they're thinking about doing, which I hadn't heard of until that point. 
again, in the Atlantic League, where apparently they're testing all these rules out, you get two foul bunts with two strikes instead of one. And the announcers discussed it, and they were... I don't know who the Cubs guys are, um, their play-by-play, but they were discussing it, and they said, we think they would maybe want this rule to make more small ball, but they were basically talking it out if they liked it, didn't like it. And that's just another rule where I'm thinking, why even add it? Two, you get two attempts with Stupid. two strikes. What's it, what problem is this addressing? Not enough sacrifice bunts? Well, that's what they said. They go, well, what is this addressing? And they said, maybe more teams will go small. And then the one Cubs announcer I thought made a good point. He goes, the guy who fouls it off with two strikes is going to foul it off again. Yeah. It's not going to improve. Like, th- th- if you're a bad bunner, you're a bad bunner. Yeah. That extra chance isn't going to save that many at-bats. And if it and if it does, like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, now, why are we giving this guy an, another chance? It's stupid. Like, baseball has issues. Address those issues. Stop creating... You're testing rules that don't address any issue whatsoever. At least saying, hey, we're going to put a guy on second base after the 13th inning. You're addressing a problem of the game being too long. What does what do any of these address the problem of? Yeah. I'm serious. Uh, you get first base if you kill a child with a foul ball. Addresses an actual problem. And it's less absurd. Make baseball deadly again. <laughs> Anyway, come see us at the Oracle Park tonight. We'll be sitting behind a net because everybody's a fucking pussy. That's right. Those are the calls for this week. Five. Uh, I was about to give my own number. Jesus. Five one three. Three. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm doing it. Uh three one zero three five nine eight three six five is the hotline, and uh, we will be doing our next show Monday. Also. From the Bay. But yeah, Joe's right. If you're around and you hear this today, we will be at the game tonight. And if not, once again, you can see us Friday at the setup, Saturday at Camp Movida in Oakland. Yep. yep. Sunday at the Crow's Nest in Santa Cruz. Those shows are all listed on JoePrano.com and AndyRuther.com. And uh, make sure you go to Joe's Instagram page, at JoePrano, and you can see father and son side by side. Yeah. Please, please follow me on Instagram. Same for me, at Andy Ruther, and follow us at The Dirty Sports. Anything else we're promoting? Nope. Uh, That's it for now. All righty. Sounds good. All right, Dirtballs, enjoy your weekend. We hope to see some of you guys live, because guess what? I brought a ton of koozies with me to the Bay, and I'd love to give those out to any Dirtballs attending shows. Oh, last-second plug for anybody who's still listening, and it's not on it, but somebody just sent me. Top Gun, just at San Diego Comic-Con, just launched their trailer for the new Top Gun. Oh, boy. I'm rock hard already. Yeah. You, weren't you just on a flight with Miles Teller? I was, and he was wearing a Top Gun hat. Like, not like a Top Gun hat like the movie, like the actual fucking weapons specialist training hat or something like that. It was pretty, it was pretty bonered out. Unreal. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys this weekend in the Bay. Have a great weekend, and most importantly, stay dirty.